Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Saturday, June the 10th. And welcome to our commentary. Today, we're going to be talking about the indictment, uh, the indictment of President uh, Trump, a rather historic uh, event, uh, to say the least. And joining us is our good friend Richard Baer uh, of the American Thinker. And we'll be talking about the political consequences of it. We're going to be reacting to how the public is going to react to this and giving our thoughts on the, on this, uh, what I think it's a pretty daring move on the part of the Biden administration. You know, this is the first time in the history of the country that we have indicted the president from the other party who is currently leading the incumbent president in the polling in, in the polls. Mm-hmm. Now, the polls may be wrong. Uh, that's happened before. So let me say hello to Richard. Richard, welcome. Pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Uh, it is really when you when you look when you stand back and you look at the big picture and get away from Trump or Democrat or Republican, it is really remarkable uh, that, as I said, that we are indicting the former president of the other party, who at the moment is leading the incumbent president, and in at least the last five polls that I've seen, maybe there's more, mm-hmm. and those polls may be wrong, as you know, but they are what they are. So I think just as, as that alone, uh, it seems to me, Richard, you know American history quite well, that we've crossed a line that is <laughs> a line that would have been unthinkable years ago, uh, Richard. Yeah, no, I think um, guardrails that have historically existed and which were not pierced or penetrated are sort of going by the wayside routinely at this point. And um, the Democrats and the left will tell you that's because Trump is such an exceptional, unusual figure. Uh, But I think there's more to it than that. Um, At this point, and I think your comment about the election is a serious one, because you're not only indicting an ex-president, you're indicting an ex-president who's likely to be the nominee. I mean, likely is uh, it's, it's up in the air. It's certainly not a sure thing. Uh, but right now he looks like the favorite. And uh, Joe Biden might be the only candidate who Trump could beat at this point, just like the Democrats think that Trump may be the only candidate that Joe Biden can beat. Um, and it's perverse to think about it, but the Democrats may have a strategy that they want Trump to be the nominee. And the easiest way to get him to be the nominee is to commit what to the Trump constituency appears to be outrageous political actions. Yeah. Uh, election interference is a term that they used on the Wall Street Journal program today. And it makes it more difficult for Trump's opponents in the Republican primary to attack him on other issues, on more mm-hmm. substantive issues, because he appears to be a victim. And his base seems to be rallying around him. It's been doing that really since the trial started, the hearings in New York and Stormy Daniels and Gene Carroll and uh, so at this point, it seems to be working for them. It, it keeps him in the lead. It keeps him in the race. And at least gives them a fighting chance, you know, to have the, this guy president right now, who a lot of people think is simply uh, not fit for office, uh, but might be able to beat Trump, or at least right. that's what the Democrats hope. 
Yeah, that's their hope. And, and I think you're right. I think there is a certain strategy to keep Trump around. Uh, because as you say, you know, they think he's the, he's the easiest one to beat. I, I think it would be personally speaking, I think it would, it would be more difficult for Biden, let's say, to beat a DeSantis. I because agree. there wouldn't be, you wouldn't have the Trump issue around. There would right. be right. a discussion of the issues. And that, of course, uh, would hurt, uh, would hurt Biden. But you mentioned the Wall Street Journal. They have a great editorial today, uh, and they bring up, they make the point, and I guess they ask a question whether the prosecutors understand what they've unleashed mm-hmm. with this uh, uh, with this indictment. Uh, the idea that they, you know, we're in so brand new territory. I mean, mm-hmm. I never thought, you know, having come from a third world country, and even though I was just a kid when I came, I know the story because I heard it from my parents, mm-hmm. and this is the kind of stuff that characterize what they used to call banana republic. Uh, mm-hmm. There were no bananas in Cuba, but nevertheless, that is the term that people would use, banana republic. Uh, but they would use that term. And uh, But the idea was that you would politi- politicize, you know, the, the Justice Department and go against your opponents. I mean, this is classic stories in the third world of that happening, mm-hmm. but I never thought it would happen in the United States. And I don't know. I have a theory that all of this started when they went into, into Trump's home, the FBI, because mm-hmm. they breached a line that had never been mm-hmm. breached before. So now, as far as I'm concerned, everything is wide open. And if I was President Obama, President Clinton, I'd be really worried if there was a Republican president, because yeah, they're going to no. go after you. They're going to go after you. And that's unfortunate. I don't want that, Richard. Sure. But that's where I think we're going. I mean, there's some unusual stuff going on here. Um, Merrick Garland was appointed to the Supreme Court uh, by President Obama after Justice Scalia died. And Mitch McConnell basically held up a confirmation vote. So Trump got to fill that seat, and he did it with Neil Gorsuch. Um, My guess is that uh, Garland has never gotten over that, and there's a certain vindictiveness uh, at play here in terms of payback uh, for what he believes uh, occurred to him. Uh, you'd hope that wouldn't be the case from the attorney general, but, you know, people are human. And uh, in the profession, the legal profession, if you make it to the Supreme Court, you've reached the highest pinnacle. So he probably thought he belonged there. But in any case, the point you make is an important one, which is namely that institutions in this country, which historically have been respected, are now believed to be partisan by half the country. And that's a very dangerous situation. Uh, Yesterday, Jack Smith said, no one's above the law. But is the law being applied equally? I mean, Hillary Clinton had tens of thousands of emails, many of which included classified documents, on a private server. And Comey basically issued a little report that he read on the air and gave her a pass. This case right here, could it have resulted in a report similar to the Mueller report, similar to the Durham report, which could have been quite caustic in terms of letting the public know what Trump had done that they regarded as egregious. You know, the fact that he may have obstructed justice, he may have... uh, shown classified documents to people who didn't have proper authorization to see them, uh, that he, you know, delayed sending documents back. 
are these the things that should result in a long prison sentence for a former president who's running for president? And that's what these 37 counts are. They're all each carry, you know, concurrent charges that could lead to 10 to 20 years in jail. I mean, does the United States want to see its president, past president, die in jail because of mishandling of documents? Right. So, you know, from my perspective, it's you look for the way to sort of lower the temperature. This was an action designed to put the put the pot into boiling and an explosion. No, this is pouring gasoline on the fire. I mean, the fire. That's what I think happened. They, right. they, the fire is over here, so we put more gasoline. But here's what I think would have been actually more detrimental to President Trump. Had the attorney general issued a report, I mean, had they basically said, look, these are all the things we found, mm-hmm. but we're not going to indict him because, honestly, uh, President Biden has document problems, too. And we remember Hillary Clinton had problems. So we're not going to indict anybody, but we're sending all of this to Congress and let and asking the Congress to maybe take a look at this Presidential Records Act and mm-hmm. maybe define it a little bit better for future reference. And the Espionage Act as well, because the, yeah. there's a debate about which one should have applied here or whether they're contradictory. Right. So all these things. So had they done that, I actually think that would have hurt Trump more because Mm -hmm. then all of these things, all these allegations that he did would have been part of the public record. Mm -hmm. And his opponents would have been bringing that up in the primary. They would have been saying, is this really the is this responsible behavior? But it would have been within the Republican primary context, not in an indictment. So I I think I I agree with The Wall Street Journal. I think that we've unleashed forces that are very detrimental to the country and whether the people doing this understand the fire that they've started, because you mentioned public opinion, half of the country, public opinion is who elects the president. Mm-hmm. I mean, the court of public opinion, that's who's going to elect the president. Right. And I mean, I can tell you that everybody in the Texas delegation is with Trump on this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only candidate who's not with Trump is, I believe uh, uh, Christie, Governor Christie, all the others are, are supporting. And, so I, and Governor Christie is not exactly, you know, he, he, he criticizes President Trump, but he does criticize the weaponization of justice. So, sure. Um, they've unleashed something, I think, very explosive, if I could say it that way, Richard. No, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I think what, what you're dealing with here is a situation that is now on a path that's likely to get even more inflammatory. And that is, if the Justice Department or the Delaware prosecuting attorney does not file charges against Hunter Biden, which have been basically under their review for something on the order of four years, if nothing happens there, if Biden gets a pass on his documents, even though they were in ship, slipshod shape in three or four different places, and, you know, he said, my garage door is normally closed. I mean, that's a that's a very effective response. Oh, it's Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago is usually close, too, you know. Right. No, I mean, the two of them almost, to some extent, deserve each other based on the, how lame their responses have been. But the problem is the legal system is treating one differently than the other. And that is obvious to the people on one side. And on the other side, I think it's obvious, too, but they like the results. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, that gets to your point earlier, which is if Republicans get in power, they'll, they'll you know, push down on the, on the uh, scales. And uh, it's tit for tat. And the 
governing America becomes sort of secondary to dealing with essentially payback for the sins of the last administration. Right, and and that is such a such a nasty situation for everybody because I can just see, for example, a Republican president indicting or sending the FBI to Barack Obama's house looking for documents on Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, I can see that. I don't want to see that, but I could see it if you get into this situation. And that's what scares me the most, these forces they've unleashed, which is why I'm hoping that a maybe a judge uh, down the road will find a way of terminating this case on some technicality. I don't know if that's possible, mm-hmm. but they could say, for example, the Espionage Act doesn't apply to this guy, so you know, why, why are you charging him with this? Mm-hmm. And look, I was around. I remember, I'm sure you do too, but when this Presidential Records Act was signed by President Carter, I don't remember anybody saying, we're going to put you in jail. Mm-hmm. If you violate, I mean, it was kind of a, it, there were civil crimes or civil charges, but yeah. the whole idea was to keep better record of things, yeah, I'm saying, not Sandy, to put you in jail. Sandy Berger didn't go to jail for slipping That's documents right. below his shirt. I mean, yes. General Petraeus didn't go to jail. Uh, I mean, this is simply not the traditional way this act has been used to go after political opponents. And uh, people essentially return the documents. What damage has been done? And that's an issue that's involved here. We send away a former president of the United States and convict him, charge him, tried, convicted, because of the fact that documents were returned that didn't result in any damage to the government, which probably overclassifies documents to begin with mm-hmm. by a large scale from everything I've heard. So this is, again... You look to lower the temperature, you look to raise it. And this is clearly an action designed to create sort of a warlike situation between already very divided country. Um, and yeah, this is just not helping. Uh, I mean, try to imagine what the presidential election will be like next year if it turns out that these cases are overhanged and you have Trump versus Biden. Right. Well, I, I, I can just imagine what their debate would look like you know, they're arguing as to who kept more boxes. Well, we have boxes and you had boxes and you had boxes. And, and right. you know, it, it, it turns into a, a travesty at a time, Richard. And when there are some very serious issues. I sure. mean, um, I, I saw, uh, I think it was Monica Showalter, um, American thinker, who wrote something about Cuba and China. I mean, mm-hmm. the idea that China, and, and I don't know it. The, the administration denies that this is happening. So I, I, I'll believe Monica Showalter more than the administration <laughs> in this way. But, but the idea that China would be building a military base in Cuba to spy in the United States, that should be topic number one. That's what we should be talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that Brazil and China have just signed an agreement that pushes away the U.S. dollar and replaces this with the Chinese currency. The idea that countries in in Latin America are now part of this Belt and Road Initiative by the Chinese. Yes. I mean, the Chinese have become the banker for the Western Hemisphere. Right. And I thought, wasn't there something called the Monroe Doctrine? (laughs) (laughs) The Xi Jinping Doctrine. (laughs) Yeah, I I think they've changed that around. But that's a pretty scary thing because you get Mm -hmm. the Chinese... Um, I mean, look, a lot of historians, I know the historians over the years have argued about the Monroe Doctrine, and I know that in many Latin American countries, uh, 
Uh, they didn't like the Monroe Doctrine, but it did help Latin America. It was one of those things where it was good for Latin America, but many uh, criticized it. But the idea that China would be that heavy into Latin America scares a lot of people, mm-hmm. including myself, because when they pull that, put, put all that money into a country like Venezuela, they're, they're, they're keeping a corrupt dictator in power who probably shouldn't be. Yeah. And then you've got the situation in Mexico with the cartels. You've got Iran, North Korea, China, you know, Taiwan. There's a lot of things on the table, lots of things on the table. Right. And yeah. none of it is yeah. being discussed because we're talking right. boxes, Richard. Yeah. And, and, the China, and the Chinese apparently are sort of cold-blooded about getting their loans paid back. Uh, not like, you know, releasing 400 billion of student loans, you know, so that the people who didn't go to college can pay the loans, can pay for the, the debt and the interest going on for centuries for the loans that you know, the people who have higher paying jobs got. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing's a travesty. But this is what essentially passes for actions to help the population. And they're not to help the population. They're designed to help the portion of the population that's more likely to vote in one direction. Right. I mean, the Chinese no. have a national interest at stake. Actions that are occurring in this country increasingly are related strictly to winning the next election. Right. No, I agree. And, and well, we're not talking about any of these issues because we've got all, the, all, this, all these other uh, uh, distractions. But, you know, looking, looking forward, I, I would really hope that there's a judge along the way that, that stops this somehow, uh, stops mm-hmm. the indictment and says, look, this doesn't apply to the president and, and so on, and hopefully shuts it down. Because the deeper we go, the more divided the country is going to get, Richard. I, I don't see how all of a sudden people are going to just join hands and say, okay, we, right. we're all united. No. I mean, Brett, Brett Baer has his common ground segments with the, with the cheesy music, which he introduces the segment. But basically, that's not where the country is at this point. And as far as the judge issue, the judge initially appointed for this case in Florida is a judge who made favorable rulings to Trump earlier in this case, which means that if she makes continued rulings in favor of Trump, you know the left's going to explode, that basically this is a travesty of justice because it was just someone he appointed who's basically letting him off. Uh, So this is not going to be accepted either way. If he's not guilty and wind up in jail, the left will be agitated. If this goes much further and the Biden team gets a pass for all of their criminal activity and corruption or alleged criminal activity and corruption, you know that the people on the right are going to be more inflamed. So it's hard to see how this actually gets resolved because neither side at this point seems to want to get it resolved, but especially those in power. And right now, those in power on the left, they are creating essentially the record that's forcing everyone else into their path. No, I agree. I think it's very ugly, and it's not going to get any better. Uh, it's just not going to get any, any better, and and people are just going to get more and more angry. So you begin to wonder, you know. I was joking the other day with a, a Democrat who's a really good guy. We were talking about this, and I was saying, you know, if this keeps going, uh, your grandchildren are going to grow up in the blue states of America, and my grandkids are going to grow up in the red states of America. And it was intended to be a joke, of course. I, I don't think that's going to happen. But we're so divided that it's starting to look like that. Well, you know, it, 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 I was going to say this. Sorry to interrupt, but 
I noted that next week, Sean Hannity is going to have Governor Newsom on. Now, why is that suddenly happening? Is it because at this point, the Democrats are fearful that the Republicans might just come to their senses and nominate a young guy who's smart, good on his feet, has a terrific track record in a state, is welcoming people from around the country, has one of the lowest unemployment rates, beat the national averages on COVID, versus, you know, a guy who's can't stand up. And when he reads, he sort of bumbles half the words, calls the prime minister of England the president. I mean, walks around in a daze if he doesn't, loses his spot. You know, questions that are coming from White House reporters are given to him in advance. I mean, this is humiliating to the country. It's an embarrassment. Try to think of what our allies think, that this is the leader of the free world, and this is the leader of the leader of the free world. Right. Well, if I was the Chinese, I would make sure that my invasion of Taiwan took place at 3 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) <laughs> because that would be the best time in the world to to force Joe Biden to have to make a decision, because I don't think, honestly, that he's capable of it at that time. And that sounds terrible, I know. I'm joking, making fun. But it's a reality, you know, yeah, uh, right. the situation. It's cynical. I mean, the, the it reason it's okay to make a joke is that the Democrats knew what they had, and yet they put him up as a nominee because they were afraid Bernie Sanders was going to get nominated in 2020 and Sanders could lose to Trump. They thought Biden would simply look like a placeholder, someone who's not scary, could serve a couple of years and sort of reduce the tensions and the temperature in the country. That's how they sold it and it was successful. They kept him locked up in the basement, used COVID as an excuse, and it worked. You know, I don't know what drugs they fed him before the debates, but he was a little more (laughs) able to speak during those. Uh, Maybe there was a voice in his ear, who knows? I don't put anything past anybody at this point because politics is played to win and there's a desperation to win. That's right. Let me just say hello. We have a a fellow down in South Texas, I am, I am, who listens to us. That's his real name. I am, I am. So uh, I am, I am. Hello from from me and from my friend Richard uh, from American Thinker. I, I actually, you know, I actually think that, you know, and I, and I said so yesterday before the indictment had even been published, that I, I felt that it was going to blow up in their face. It was going to blow mm-hmm. up in their face because much of the country was not going to believe it. Now, our friend uh, Thomas over at the American Thinker, Thomas uh, Lifeson, the editor, he had a very interesting post yesterday talking about the seven reasons to <laughs> distrust uh, or to question the timing, at least, of of this uh, of this uh, indictment, and one of them, of course, is that yesterday was the day that we heard about this five million dollar bribery right. uh, story. So I don't know if this was timed that way, but it's sure a good coincidence, you know, for yeah. for President Biden. Yeah, bad bad news comes to be distributed by an administration at five p.m. on a Friday, just when all the main the main reporters have left for right. the weekend, and it's similar here when you have. A big story that could be damaging that you can't control the timing. You got to come up with one of your own. Right. Yeah. No. I. I. I don't think. I mean, in on, you know, on on balance, I don't think this is going to work out mm-hmm. for the Democrats. I really don't. I think they they're probably thinking. I, I think, as you said before, they're probably thinking, let's inflate Trump as much as possible, make him the nominee because he's the easiest one to beat, and. I understand why they say that, because Trump at times is self-destructive and, and he could be the nominee and say things or whatever. 
But there is a record, though, this time around. Uh, and the record is of Trump versus whoever the Democrat is. Mm-hmm. So there is a record. I think that that would help Trump uh, a great deal if they go one on one. But mm-hmm. I, I think that they may be trying to inflate Trump. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they may inflate him more than just winning the nomination. They may just inflate him enough to win the presidency, right. which would be which would be pretty, pretty remarkable. I know that Trump is they're going to have a very hard time forcing Trump to get out of this race right now. I agree. Uh, I mean, Trump is in it to stay. I mean, he's going to have to be literally kicked off the stage. Right. Uh, no, he, his whole modus operandi, his whole life has been anytime anyone takes a shot at him, he's got to sh- shoot back faster and harder. And, uh, uh, you know, he's only a couple of years younger than Joe Biden, but there's a pretty big difference in energy level and ability to essentially talk without notes and make an argument in a case. I mean, it's kind of repetitive. If you've been listening to him for six or seven years, you kind of know the shtick by now. But uh, and I think there are Republican candidates who would be stronger I mean, some of the candidates competing would be excellent vice presidential nominees if you had a ticket with someone like DeSantis on the top, which I think could be very, very difficult for the Democrats to beat. And that's their worst nightmare. Not only do they not get Trump, they get somebody like DeSantis who might be strong enough to win two terms and can do a significant amount of rollback. The Democrats always view that once they've won something, they never can give back. And Republicans understand that when they lose power, they lose power. And right, they lose right. things that they've won. Democrats are resistant to that logic and uh, might face it if they get the wrong nominees opposing them this time. And th- there could be a third party candidate this time. If it's Trump versus right. Biden, you could easily get any of several third party candidates who in general, I think, take do more damage to Democrats than Republicans. The reason is the people who are not going to vote for Trump are not going to vote for Trump. There are people who are weak Biden supporters who might move off the reservation if they they see someone that they agree with more and think is more credible. Yeah. Well, one of the third party candidates could be Joe Manchin. There's yep. some talk about that. And he would actually hurt. I think he would hurt Biden. No question. Mm-hmm. No question about that. Uh, he still wouldn't win West Virginia no. as a third party candidate. But at least uh, he could conceivably deny, uh, for example, uh, Biden, uh, even in some of the other blue states. I mean, there there could be oh, like in the Midwest, yeah. yeah. So so that that could actually happen. By the way, you mentioned Newsom. I just wanted to tell you this little story. The other day, I got a call from one of my friends who works at Telemundo in San Diego, and he wanted invited me to say something about Newsom. So I I he asked me about this Second Amendment or this uh, gun amendment that he has introduced, and he asked me what do you think about that, and I said well it's going to be impossible to accomplish because it takes three quarters of the states to get it. And it also takes uh, Congress and the Senate. And that. so it's pretty difficult for him to, to even think that he can do that. But by coming out there and saying that he wants to pass this amendment, what that says to me, and that's what I told my friend is that he's running for president. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's gotten the word mm-hmm. that that's Joe Biden is going out at some He's point and, and, yeah. and, and they're getting him ready. Mm-hmm. They're getting him ready. Because I thought the timing of that, and now you mentioned talking to Sean Hannity, that's, you know, that's another indication to me, maybe I'm being too, too practical, but that's an indication to me I that, do. that, you know, something is happening out there that we, we're not aware of 
But yeah. maybe the, the call has going around, hey, you know, uh, Joe is going to pull out by next spring like LBJ, and we got to be ready to replace him. Now, another point that I brought up with my friend from California is if Newsom is the nominee, Kamala Harris cannot be the nominee right. or vice president, right? Because they're both in the same state. Correct. Correct. So that was the issue the, with Cheney and Bush, which is right. why Cheney had to go to Wyoming. And the same with DeSantis and Trump. You know, Trump was saying, probably thinking at one point DeSantis would be a good VP. But if it, Newsom sh- starts showing some interest and there begin to be stories about Biden's deteriorating health, not mental acuity, but health, um, the issue is going to become you have a black woman vice president right now and bypassing her for a white male is sort of runs counter to every strongly held identity politics belief by the Democratic Party. So uh, he would not be the only one to enter. I think there would be others. I mean, I think Amy Klobuchar and a bunch of other people who ran last time would love to give it one more shot. Um, maybe Elizabeth Warren would. Maybe Beto O'Rourke would, <laughs> would, go, would come back into the mix. I mean, he, he's not maybe, doing anything right Stacey now. Stacey Abrams. So Stacey right? Abrams yeah, could make go. a run. So, yeah. So anyway, I, I, I think it's clear that their Democratic Party professionals are nervous about Biden and they're also nervous about Harris. Neither yeah. one of them looks to them like a certain winner if they were in the top spot. Well, something else, too, Richard, that I was thinking about. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was down at the border here recently, mm-hmm. and he made some pretty critical statements mm-hmm. of the Biden uh, border policy. So. He's getting 20% of the vote in the primaries. And I find him interesting because, well, he's got a famous name. That, that's right. as much as he has. But he's never, to my not maybe I'm wrong, but I, he's never had elective office. No. Uh, he's been an activist kind of all his right. life, like a community organizer, I guess. Vaccines, all of it. Yeah, climate so, change. So exactly. So he's never really run anything that, that right. I know of. Uh, but, but nevertheless, he gets 20% of the vote. That's the floor. I think, I, I think he's only going up from there. That's know? it. And and now he, he does seem to, the one thing I'll give him credit for is that he does take positions that are independent of the party. He's mm-hmm. not doing the party line when it comes to, Correct. When it comes to lockdowns and, and when it Correct. comes to the border. Uh, so I think in that respect, he may tap into some mm-hmm. Democrat resistance of, of these policies. Because I don't think Democrats are happy with the border. Now, they may be quiet, but I don't think they're happy. Yeah. I mean, media mismanagement occurs not only by essentially providing misinformation, but also what stories you cover. And, you know, people who watch Fox News have been watching Bill Malugin for two years. People who are watching MSNBC or CNN, what border problem? (laughs) They don't even know we have a border. Uh, the, the people who watch. Well, Richard, I want to thank you so much uh, for taking the time here. This is an important topic of of the indictment. But it, like I, we started out by saying how historic it is that the uh, the administration in power mm-hmm. is indicting the the ex president and very likely contender in 2024, right. who's beating them in the polls. Right. That is really uh, something that that I never thought I would see in the United States. But I guess, as they say, there's always a first time for everything. It'd be like Red Auerbach becoming an extra official in a Celtics-Lakers title game. <laughs> right, yeah, that, that's, uh, 
that a good example? I was trying to think the other day of a good way to describe uh, Donald Trump, and maybe Leo DeRocher might be a, a good way of describing because Leo had a real temper, didn't he? When, but he's a little he more played, calculating. So. Is he? How about yeah, that? I mean, maybe Billy Martin? Would that be a... Yeah, um, Martin was similar. That's a good good example. That's, that's, that'd be a good example. Okay. Especially you're fired. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, because Billy Martin didn't always take into account what he was doing. I mean, <laughs> he would often uh, say things and explode right. and then realize later that he that he made a mistake like that, like that one time that he pulled Reggie Jackson out of the, out of the game and they got into a fight on national TV. What a, what a funny scene that was. Richard, I want to thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Same to you. Pleasure. uh, Thank you. And and I, uh, I want to wish you in advance a a happy father's day, which comes up the following Sunday, but nevertheless in advance and happy happy, father's uh, and grandfather's day to you. Yes. I've got, uh, I've got a couple of those to to celebrate this year. Let let's see what they give me. You know, I, I I always, you know, with my father it was really easy. Giving my father a gift was really easy because you could just give him a book mm-hmm. or a CD. That's mm-hmm. it. A musical, one of the classical music uh, CDs, or a, a chess book. My my father was a great chess player. That's terrific. So yeah, he used to play chess and. Uh, uh, so if we gave him a chess book, he was the happiest man in the world. So that was easy, but I, I'm not so easy to please. So I don't know what they're going to give me. So if they give me baseball tickets, I'll be very happy. So if my son, old, old baseball cards, that's it. <laughs> so, so if my sons are listening, I know they once in a while check in, give me baseball tickets. That's what I want for, for Father's Day. Some tickets to see the first place Rangers. That's what I want to sure. see this year. Richard, thank you so much. The season started that they were going to be good. Yes, yes, they were. Called it. They they spent a lot of money. I'll say that mm-hmm. much. So if if they win this year, um, it'll be at least a, a team that spent a lot of money. Thank you for your time. Have a great weekend. Thanks. It's a great. It's, it's a great honor to to have you as 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 always. Our good friend uh, Richard Bayer. Uh, we met Richard through the American Thinker many years ago and uh, have stayed in touch, and he's just a wonderful friend. We've also developed a baseball friendship that is uh, absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Thank you for listening, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll see you the next time. Bye-bye, everybody.